0: pod 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 rugby pod Welcome to the second episode of The Rugby Pod Beyond Expected series presented by Asahi Super Dry official beer of Rugby World Cup 2023 In this series, we'll be talking to legends of the game as they tell stories from their career, the unexpected moments on the pitch, the surprising connections, friendships and post-match beers shared off the pitch. Next up, we're delighted to be joined by a man who famously dismantled a Wallaby scrum in 2007 to help England reach the unlikeliest of World Cup finals. Former England front row, Andrew Sheridan. Thanks very much for having me. It's great to have you in the studio. Just look
1: at us, just three, and you Andy Rowe, three former athletes still looking
2: athletic. Well, no, let's look at Sherry. That's what we should look like. I look like a bag of rubbish. You look like a bag of bones. You're, you're a bag of bones. Yeah. And there's a man that still trains harder than hard. Well, you say that. Let's talk about Big Scar. i have to show my arm, yeah. Yeah,
1: you got to show your arm. They can't see it. We'll oh, talk right. through can't it. it. Some people will we see have to it. talk
3: through it, right. Hell of a scar on your arm. That's a fresh one. Yeah, so I was doing some... Still trying to lift, doing my deadlifts. That's a deadlift, Andrew, where you pick up a heavy bar. I know about it now, Oh, sorry. Sorry. He knows he trains now. And about, yeah, five and a half weeks ago, I was going for a decent weight and the bicep snapped off the tendon and and it shoots up the arm. I don't know if you've ever seen like those, they call it a Popeye. Yeah. It shoots up the arm and uh, it's best to have it reattached. Otherwise, it's. uh, So I did. Two days later, I went into surgery and they reattached it and hopefully I'll be back well I'm lifting little, little dumbbells now but that's about that's about it your little
2: dumbbells are like 40 kilo dumbbells though right
3: no I'm curling about 5 kilos <laughs> at <an end. laughs> Andrew, what's wrong with that <laughs> no, I mean, nothing
2: nothing no what was the weight
1: what yeah. was the
3: deadlift weight well it was I was trying to go for 305 305 but, but on a normal deadlift bar but I'd only got to so I'd been building up for a number of weeks and then it was on it was actually 285 and, and it was just you just hear a pop and it's yeah. pain no, it's more of a tearing no, sound. He's, he's a Londoner, <laughs> mate. He's, he's no. a Londoner. No, no, it was, it was, yeah. I've got video of it. It's not, yeah, it's not, not great. But it just it tears off the bone, and then you don't really feel a lot after that. And then you have surgery in France, and they reattach it to your yeah, ankle. Yeah, did a great. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Very good almost. They no, did a good job in France. Really, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> he did a really good job. It's they got a military hospital in Toulon, and it was. uh fantastic i can't fault it because it's moving you know really pretty well to be fair to france though that is one thing that
2: i played in france jim kind of played in france didn't you you're a bit critical of france aren't you always
3: yeah. man they're not big fans of you You got like a love hate more i think hate, they hate me more hate relationship yeah i think they than, hate they me what
1: oh okay so, so is, are you feeling that in, in france I've is this just kind occasionally when i've seen
3: various back and forths you've had with French supporters. You, yeah. You seem to like winding them up. Right? Yeah, wow. Well, it's the English way, isn't it? <laughs> I have a French friend now. Not just French supporters,
1: Mr. Sheridan. Not just friend, like all supporters, all referees. No, not all, all referees. Coaches. I have a French
3: friend. I'm appreciating this uh, respectful Mr. Sheridan.
1: It, you're looking he's great. Saying, as he's scared. In, great. That means he's scared. I've, when yeah. I played against Sherry, I mean, he'll remember me. Sending one through, not on you, but like sending the weight through on the scrum. So it's so, <laughs> all. I think you used to do both, didn't you? Yeah,
3: yeah that was it. SpongeFist much... was his nickname, wasn't it? Yeah. No, he was. He was reasonably tough, I thought. Thanks, mate. Look, there we go. So, What's um, happened look,
1: to you, Mr. Sheridan? And he's calling me Mr. <laughs> tough. I oh, know. Bag of bones. Sorry, go on. The French.
2: I do have a, a French friend now, Matthew Ray now. He's my friend. because I stuck up for him for his decision last year. Mm. So, but you're right, Sherry. I don't think they like me. I enjoyed my time in France, but going back to I'm talking to the French up here because had you have done that injury in deepest darkest Wales where you've been mm. you, obviously the misses is from there you spend a bit of time there yeah or in England you bottom of the queue on
3: the NHS aren't you or are you're buying it, it private it would have been a few weeks and it's one of those injuries that needs to be reattached quickly because otherwise it just curls up your arm and. It's a ball of scar yeah. and you're struggling.
2: It's a fair play to the French. They've got a great medical system, James. Mm. I'm trying yeah. to buy some friends here as we head out they to have, France in yeah. a few weeks. Yeah. Well, they have got Just the, in case. Yeah. We might need it. <laughs> They've got defibs. You don't need that. I don't right? need that you're anymore.
0: Good. Let's go into how it all started for you. Talk to me about your, your England debut because that was quite a while ago and you, there was a lot of hype around you, a lot of talk around you. Let's get stuck into that.
3: Yeah, the the, the debut was 2004 and I'd been... I'd played about a hundred games before that as a second row, and so I was 23 when I moved to prop. And I remember the following year, I, I, that was my—I came off the bench against Canada. But my first time I started for England was uh, 2005, and yeah, it was uh, after only a couple of years or three, two and a half years of playing prop. It was it was a great moment, and like a lot of people say, you know, it's proud to represent your country and. Yeah, things went pretty well for us that day. Well, the interesting thing was Cherry and I have played against each other
2: and with each other for. I remember him, I reckon, about 14, 15, 16, Dulwich College. Really? He was a number eight. And he was about that big as a 15, 16 year old. Not uh, that tall. You were that tall yeah Right enough, or,
3: yeah, yeah.
2: Maybe not as stacked because he's been eating weights for years, but he was massive back then. He used to pick the ball off, off the back of a scrum and run a. I was a skinny little fly off at the time with a little pot belly. Truth. <laughs> And I'm like, who is this monster? <laughs> he used to sh- scare the shit out of people at number eight. And then obviously we played England 16s and 18s, yeah. and then he and started then moving to the second, second row. row. And then, I'm like, how about lifting that one, boys?
3: <laughs> yeah. And I didn't have a great deal of interest in line outs. Yeah. I just got, I wasn't that good at jumping. And I didn't like all the calls and all the dancing around it if they're doing line outs. <laughs> but but right, this is the thing. True. So who, who, was his, who was his line out partner? And I wasn't much good at taking kickoffs. So, oh, that's a hard skill. Yeah. <laughs> so we had all these factors counting against me, and, and I carried the ball a bit and a then, lot. But then the uh, the propping was more of a, a natural sort of progression. So
1: you say natural progression? You've moved like if you're moving th- through the gears of I'm going to say pain, but also specialization. Yeah, well done. Yes, yeah, said it, mm-hmm. said it all in one. From eight to second row, and then you're moving up into the front row. Like uh, you see the flankers potentially do that, but you very rarely see someone going through the gears. I'm just trying to think. I'd have made Matt Parr, the great Matt Parr. you would have heard of him, everyone. But I played for England back when I was English. In yeah, back when I was English years yeah. ago. You I was in the English. second row, you with are him, and he moved up. He transitioned it means something very different now. But yeah. he transitioned <laughs> to loosehead and did really well. Played for Sale, played for Leicester a few games. But to do what you did, to go through the gears of from eight to second row to become in your heyday one of the greatest losers, but also changing the profile of what props look like. You started this craze of being basically bodybuilders in rugby players' bodies, like this. That you started that. Do you know that?
3: Is that right? I wouldn't. I not go that far.
1: It's compliment. It's a compl- oh, another thank compliment. Another compliment, Mr. <laughs> Sheridan. Thank you, Mr. Hamilton. <laughs> <Yeah>, very kindly.
3: <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was very tough moving from second row to prop that late on. Because there is a lot. It's not just, oh, can you lift this weight or do this. There's a bit more to it, and the, the testing nature of the position. It's easier if you move a bit earlier. 23 or whatever it was. It was. Uh, I was pretty inconsistent. I had one good game, one good scrum, a couple of bad ones, and fortunately they sort of stuck with me at, at Bristol at the time, and and then it sort of went on from that. And when you
2: wake up in the morning and you're a second row, how did it start to go? Actually, do you know what I fancy playing? Lou said. So I I go back to, you play with Tom Youngs a lot. And I I remember Youngs, he he was an inside centre and we're watching a Tuesday morning brawling session at Leicester. The backs are playing touch, it's pissing down the rain. And we're like cold, we're like, can we go inside and play cards or something? And he's looking at the forwards going, I want to be over there, I'd love to be involved in that. And he goes on to be a British and Irish Lions hooker and all this stuff, and amazing player, amazing career. But you're in the second row, you're in the mix already. And what makes you think, actually, I want to make it a bit harder and put my head up someone? not up someone's arse, but in someone's face and get into the front row where it is the most uncompromising yeah, position. I, I think. think
3: it was just that if I wanted to reach the international level, even though I went on the tour in 2000 as a second row, but that was just sort of midweek in South Africa. But to move up to to prop was probably my best chance of making it at the international level. So you know, certain people that was around at the time, like um, Phil Keith Roach, and who was England scrum coach at the time, he were very important in making helping me make that positional change. It wasn't an easy move to make, but it was one that I thought it was worth having a, a good go at. And if it didn't work out then I did have a stab at playing tighthead the year before. That's but where all, the money is. I was gonna say I, I didn't know where to put that's where the money is. Was, I had absolutely kind of. no idea what I was doing. I literally <laughs> went in I was against a guy called Rod Snow. I don't remember yeah, it yeah, Canadian yeah. loosehead yeah. he was afraid. Was Newport, was not he? Yeah, yeah. We played Newport, I think it was a could have been a pre-season game. I can't remember and and he actually said, you haven't got a clue what you're doing. And I just went, yeah. Is so like, <laughs> <laughs> that because in the scrum as well? In the scrum. <laughs> it was a bit more sort of colourfully put. But obviously, I'll keep this you know, good language and everything. No, you, you don't need no. to. You
1: could, you could have said to him, like, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing, but you wait until I've got your number.
2: Playing against grizzly tightheads back in the day as you're a loose head.
3: Mm.
2: Like, you'd have played against the likes of Garforth and people like that. That like horrible, like, amazing bloke, but his skin's falling off his face. Uh, he's he is proper mongrel mob, isn't he? From Cove and Julian White, Julian White, yes. who, who you played with a lot at Bristol. <laughs> yeah, got on very well with him. And then we'll and get then think, to the scrap in a bit. Yeah. that was a humdinger. I was
1: actually. Well, there wasn't much to it. it.
3: He clipped me on the chin, sat me on my backside, and I sort of got up, and that was the end of it. You were mates? <laughs> yeah, but he's got his. There's
1: no mates in a scrum, is there? No,
3: it was, I wouldn't say we've got the better of them that day, but we was He just wasn't totally. Wasn't that happy? I could tell he was in a bad mood. They weren't getting it all their own way. I'm not going to say we were smashing them, we weren't. But I could tell he was wound up and he grabbed my leg and I sort of thrown a useless little one of those sort of flicks and and yeah. poof. that's all. He probably
2: went for it, didn't he? Yeah, he was, he a, he was a
3: madman. Oh, I wouldn't go that far. No. He's just got a short fuse. I'm scrummaging so behind him. You were quite
1: an angry... Uh, I like was, but that's Julian White's fault. He started it. <laughs> <laughs> he, the stuff he used to tell me, he's like, right, if the scrum's going forward, do not stop. We are running over, quote, unquote, some cunt. You might need to beat, her, beat that bit out. But he says to me, we're running over some cunt today. And I was like, Whitey, wherever you go, I'm going. And if it was stable, he'd be like, you need to send one through. The call was 69 back then. We... Weren't overly smart, but... He was a
3: strong prop, though. He was mm. technically really good, and he had great all-round sort of strength. He was perfect sort of build for a you know, very good tight head.
2: I thought you were about to say great all-round skills as a tight head, but he used to tell me, if you see me outside your goody, do not give me the ball, because I can't catch it. Oh, no, he it. wasn't
3: into that. He uh, <laughs> wasn't game. into that. <laughs>
2: we used to cheer him if he caught <laughs> it at training, didn't we?
3: Yeah.
2: If he caught one, we'd be like, Wah! the whole session would stop and erupt, and he'd be running down the wing or whatever. Great bloke.
3: No, but the I- props these days are all sort of... um they're playmakers, aren't they? Yeah. You've got that pod. They always put a pod, and they've got to be able to tip it on or decoy, and it's a bit more to it. they bit...
1: You were ahead of your time, mate. No, I didn't do any of that. It's yeah, run over people. Yeah, you just know Just did what I mean, pick, go, and, pick and go, pick and go, pick and go. That's coming back in as well. It needs to.
0: shall we, shall we look at the two thousand and seven tournament? Yeah. Should we get it. into that? Because, I mean, yeah, there's some there's some big memories from that that tournament. What, when you look back at that, before we dissect it, what was your fondest memory from that tournament?
3: Probably the fact that we went from, well, how can you put it, well, not not in a particularly good position to getting in all the way through to the final, and we didn't really let ourselves down in the final either. I think South Africa were a better team. I know, at the time there was all the debate with Quato's... try, uh, try. Well, at the time we thought it was, but obviously it didn't count. So he's
2: was, still dying off that Quaitos. Yeah, so. it was a try though. Do you think it was a try? I'm, I'm gonna say yes because Quakes, my mate, and Sherry's here, and he'll knock me out for say no. Do you think about that or not? I know <laughs> no. you don't. You don't
1: ever think what if? No,
3: no, no, no. no it's no point, is it? It's, uh, it's done, and it's you move on and move forward, and
1: yeah, I know. And but... it wasn't
3: as if, as I say, it wasn't as if there's a team or a squad we let ourselves down. I mean, we lost, but we'd sort of had a decent sort of journey through, journey, I don't want to use that word, journey, yeah, journey. that's great, what was a journey? cut journey, <laughs> path through from quarterfinal, semifinal, and we put a decent run together yeah. after that initial 36-0. Well,
2: that's what I was going to ask you, that first game, South Africa, 36-0, in Paris, everyone's kind of saying, oh, this is you know, the worst England team ever, blah, 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 and then to come back from that to where you got to, we'll get through the story in a minute, but there was loads of stuff in the press around the coaches and then there were senior players like Lowell. Shawsy was there, wasn't he? Faz was playing at, yeah. in the centres. Big Faz, I'm not talking about yeah, Owen, Andy. I'm talking about Andy. Who took, from what I heard, took a bit of power and it was more player-led. But to go back to that 36 nil drubbing and the feeling in the dressing room afterwards and the week after that, because it's a group game, you know you've only got to finish second effectively to, to qualify. But the emotions of that to how the change happened? Because it was monumental, the change, from losing
3: 36-0. I remember, because the scrum went well, against you, yeah. in that 36-0. You know, and there was pro- sometimes you come off, and you think, oh, scrum went all right. And you think, oh, that's not really going to cut it, is it? <laughs> You're sitting in, sitting in the change room afterwards, and everyone's like, well, scrum went well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, was, um, we just carried on doing our job, and then you've probably heard about, the, 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 there was a meeting, and uh, all this sort of stuff, and people put things up on the flip chart, or as we had back then <laughs> and uh, tell us about that what, what, what was on, on the flip chart? chart just trying to simplify things That's and that's how we took it forward I think we just kept things very simple fought for every scrap of possession made sure our set piece was great defence was really solid and we then had a couple of games afterwards against tough teams like Samoa and Tonga they went alright and then we see, you suddenly find yourself in the, in the quarterfinal against Australia and no one expects you to win which is always, it's easier those to be in those sort of games as opposed to the, you know, the team of well, 20 years ago now, isn't it? They were favourites in 03. And so, so when you're not favourites, you can just have, have a crack, really. And that's what I think happened in, as we progressed through the tournament.
1: And who was leading that? So in that meeting there, and again, only going based on hearsay, but you think back to 03, all the talk was it was player-led and Clive had this grand plan, but it was all the players. You think about the profile of the players they had. Some of them, like Goody mentioned, Lawrence is a, a great one in 07.
2: Vix as well, sketch. Yeah,
1: Vix And Andy yeah. Farrell, who was a born leader. Yeah. At what point did the players kind of take over without belittling the coaches that were in charge? But that's what they had in 03.
3: Yeah, I I think I was always on the outside of these sort of things. I was not, not the sort of personality who goes, right, look, come and listen to me. I'm... I've got the ideas, and you need those those people you've just mentioned to to be the sort of figureheads, and then you just get on. Then you need a lot of people like myself who just get on and do your job. And I've sort of come on here, and we've got a deep insight into that meeting for you. So you'd be
2: at the back thinking about Scrum.
3: Saki would be asleep at the back somewhere, just going, "What time? Just meet and finish." log? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember the, it being completely player led. I thought they sort of the coaches were still on board with things, but I think they just. Had to listen to what the some of these senior players were saying, and in the wake of you know losing thirty six nil, and at the time there wasn't all the social media and stuff, and I I was never that sociable really. Anyway, we think so. I wouldn't be checking everything out, and it's so, mental in it, the
2: difference back yeah. then, like social media now boys pulling out the phones, looking at stuff, going, oh, "Fuck! I better put my phone away," because yeah. it can be harsh, and I'll blame Jim for that. But there was nothing back then. Was there's just like no. written press and. No, well, if I were a player now,
3: like I wouldn't be um, been looking up these things. I you wouldn't be googling my name or any of that sort of stuff. Because it's always going to be someone who's got vendetta against you. Yeah. So just concentrate on your own game and your own the people around you, your team, your coaches, and not worry about it.
1: all Yeah. So before we go to the final against South Africa, who've got. History in World Cups, but also scrum time. What about Australia? So I don't want to say that you had an easier path to the final, but from a scrummaging point of view, this is no disrespect to Australia. The talking point around Australia has always been they've got a weak scrum.
2: It was started by Sherry yeah. in 07, basically. <laughs> I'm building,
1: I'm setting the scene yeah. <laughs> because you don't want to be horrible, but then we have to be horrible because I think, not single-handedly, but they got destroyed in 07 in the
3: quarterfinal. And they were you big were favourites, weren't they? Oh yeah! If we
2: talk about they, being really honesty,
3: they've been in good form. I think yeah. from before the World Cup and you know going into the World Cup, but we work well. And I've always talked. You know, I know people say it's very kind, single-handedly. But it, as Jim knows, it's if you haven't got all the components of the scrum functioning well, then you're going to struggle. It doesn't matter how strong you are as an individual prop. You need to work with your hooker. It makes a hell of a difference if you've got a powerful second row, as, as opposed to one who's more just. The line out guru. So, you know, you'd always fight to get the sort of Simon Shaw type second row or You wanted Shaw grass, right? Yeah. You need that sort of power. Yeah. Um Ben Case powerful as well. But you know, it, it's um it makes a hell of a difference what in terms of who's around you at the scrum. Mm. It's not just a a single man type thing, it's a collective. It is collective, but humble. Yeah, mm. people always think it's it but it. Jim,
1: Look, you know this is why second rows were not me, but were you know are paid so highly because of the line out function and the power. Like even now, it's almost like oh the scrum. We you were talking about the the props being able to play. You think of the final in twenty nineteen, the scrum dominance that South Africa had mm-hmm. that won them the game that gave them the platform. So you're right when you say that it's for people watching this and and who have watched you or haven't watched you and as we Talking about scrums, what does it feel like when you go through like a, a warm knife through butter? Because that's what it looks like. Just kind of describe if you can go through the nostalgia and the archives of how it feels being
3: in that scrum when it's dominant. It's it's a fun part of the game. I know. Eh? I know you're not going to agree. <laughs> I, I love the scrum. It's when you, but it's a horrendous part of the game when you're on the back foot when it rolls are reversed. So, but it is. Um, you know that if you can get some. Real impetus in the scrum and dominate that those sort of scrums. It seems to have a knock-on effect on other areas of the game. You then seem to be a bit more aggressive in defence. You dominate collisions more. I know we watch. You, know, you see some of the scrums and you think, God, how long is this scrum going to take to get through? Or, and people get fed up with them and with some justification. But it's still a critical part of the sport and it's one of the few areas I still really like watching. Yeah, when you've got a really good battle going on.
2: I love it. I generally like. I used to love it actually when you're playing, mainly because I was at Leicester and we had a dominant scrum most games. So all the backs running and fucking slapping the tight heads and the loose heads on the back, whooping and hollering. But you're right; it gives you energy, doesn't it? Like yeah. if you've got a dominant scrum, I remember times when I'd play at other clubs and I'd be like, "We are getting absolutely hosed today because our scrum is in reverse, and we've got props getting our brown wings, which is head up your own ass kind of thing." And yeah, like the energy, it, it's an energy giver for the team, isn't yeah. it? And also, you've got to
1: be a special kind of breed to be in that front row. I don't know whether you were this kind of player, Show I'm going based on Julian White, Graham Rowntree, Garth Forth, Cockrell, where we're out in whatever bar in Leicester and you just look, you can see all the heads of everyone, but the front row are down there scrummaging at the bar. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that that was your era where they were doing that. Were you watching that or were you a part of it?
3: Um, I I remember having lunch with... um, Phil Keith Roach, scrum coach. Great bloke, eh? yeah. We we're in a steakhouse. Really good guy, you know. But but he had his knife and fork, and he was like designing a scrum with knives and forks <laughs> and cutlery. <laughs> and then he'd be up standing up in the middle of the afternoon, and he said, "You've got to get go like this, boy, like this." And uh, and you see all these people, and it was it was in uh, Gaucho's or something, like that, the steak rest- the restaurant. And they're like, "What? What's going on?"
0: Because he's
3: quite a bit older than me. Isn't yeah. he? And the, and the two of us just talking like this and the, they're just looking across and thinking what are these blokes doing and yeah well you sort of live and breathe scrums when you're in that front row space.
2: I reckon you've got a tattoo that says scrum is life or something like that You got, no? no? no 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 no. you'd have that wouldn't no. you Jeff well, if you were Sherry you'd have scrum is life somewhere on your, it'd be one of my best tattoos with your absolutely shocking going back to obviously Australia the Australia game you talk about your front row and your hooker and the relationship you have there and working together and I know your character you're quite a you're not an out there kind of character, are you? You're someone that does your work, yeah. gets some of their business. You're not looking to say, "Look at me, look at me." And Vix is very similar to you, isn't he? In the way he was at times, a little bit more comes he's, out of him.
3: Yeah, he's, he was a good leader, and yeah. he would stand and speak. He spoke well, you know, before games, and yeah, but still quite quiet in many respects. But then you get in the middle, and you've got
2: the biggest clown but one of the greatest, funniest blokes you've ever met in your life in Mark Regan. Polar opposite characters to you with all due respect in a a positive way. Like, go back to those scrums when you were dominating Australia. He must be chirping like
3: hell, right? Oh, he was non-stop. (laughs) Non-stop. But he was a really good, technically strong scrummaging hooker. He just seemed to, we worked well together. As a loose head, you always want the hooker to look after your right shoulder a little bit so that the tight heads can't split the two of you and he was great at blocking tight heads and he was just a i know he's always got this image of been a bit of a joker but he was he was super serious when it came yeah. to uh, scrummaging and yeah he was and then we had also i think at the time jaw shooter was a good scrummager as well so the two of them set a good sort of uh scrummaging uh up for us
1: he's been cancelled now mark reagan is not he has he? He's been well. Yeah, like that's the, the well, whole thing. St- just being—he's loose, isn't he? Is oh, yeah, he's loose.
2: Oh, he's brilliant, Rigs. Oh yeah, Ronnie. Like, was, how do you follow him? Some of his one-liners. Would you be cringing or laughing when he's coming out with some of the shit that he used to come I, out with? I, I, I just showed I him going <laughs> Yeah,
1: look, look at him. He's, <laughs> that, he's like that. I was not never,
3: flinching. I was never a fan of all that sort of gather round, everyone just big scrum. You know, got to go forward. Got to make the hits. It's like, well yeah, yeah. That's what you got to do, haven't you? Yeah. you? Like, as in, when I look
1: at Sherry, and i have not spent a huge amount of time playing against you, but like looking through the archives, you are the, like, as in, you have Lawrence Delalio, who's an alpha, and we've had Lawrence in loads of different scenarios. I've spoke to him in the studio and stuff like that. There's a kind of energy, like, of alpha that leads, but you've got the same because it's like, just you don't need to say, you know, you don't need to say anything. You have these different characters of just like. You don't need to be all guns blazing. Yeah, all noise. You just be like, nah, just do your just job. Just fucking get on with it. You yeah. know? like we get out there, and we're just going to do it, and yeah. then we'll go home at the end of it. And I don't. That's not a question. It's just a, another compliment. But it leads me on to talking about France because if you go back to the start of the tournament, like Goody mentioned it, and then you're up against France in the semis. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Yeah, Paris. In Paris. What's the mindset? they are
0: just done going them, the into All Blacks that. as yeah. well. Yeah, did you watch that game as well? Because it was the best All Blacks team we've ever seen to a World Cup. Yeah, and did, they you just forget, just did you
1: forget, friends, I forgot France, until I went through the archives, knowing that we had you. Like, But then, you've just mentioned it, mm. Played the All Blacks who were unbelievable, beat them.
3: What was the mood going in? Well, they always raise their game, don't they, it seems, against the All Blacks, France. But we'd obviously played in Marseille, we are on the train, straight up, and you, it just follows on so quickly that you haven't got time to overthink things we did less and less uh, training as the tournament progressed and so when, when we were, uh, we had france up we just carried on the momentum again i didn't think there was a huge amount of need to say a lot it was just get your get your basics right carry on with what we had done well against australia france were going to present a bit more of a challenge in the scrum yeah we just cracked on with it and on it on it rolled really. it's funny
2: isn't it like with that they beat the all blacks which was the biggest shock in world cup history probably in cardiff cuz the all blacks arrogant thought that they or had, 99
0: yeah but the yeah same yeah, well, thing. yeah
2: actually yeah 99 was probably bigger you got a problem against the french we did yeah. <laughs> thanks first, for reminding us first game but then like in paris you say home semi final against the french they were big favorites again weren't they without yeah. sort of talking england down it was like geez, 36-0 and you get through the group then you beat the aussies and it's all sherry scrum and vicks and all those boys and then it's like ah France have just beaten the All Blacks. And again, you're saying the same thing, going under the radar, just doing your job. Was there a lot of pressure on the French then? Was it was a lot of chat in the press around, this is our time? And
3: I think they probably thought that we'd be relatively easy to get past and they probably had all eyes on the final. Having beaten New Zealand, they're going to be thinking, right, get England out of the way and then on- onwards that happens. But then also, as you say, it was a home World Cup for them and it's a, a lot of pressure and you've got to deal with that pressure as well. Whereas we've... We were still riding that sort of crest of the wave after the uh, Australia game. I think we played with a little bit more freedom and less pressure. I remember,
1: was it Sebastian Chabal in that tournament specifically? I think yeah, when he was up against Ali Williams. Don't know because they obviously mm. played the against hacker, yeah. each other in 2011. But I, I remember icon- I mean, I played in the 2007. Not that that's iconic at all. But. Actually, I rem- on. Well, we we won our final against Italy in the pool stages. <laughs> we played against Argentina, who were unbelievable. You think yeah, how good yeah. Argentina were in 2007. Yeah. Well, yeah. they beat France in the opener, didn't they? Yeah. And they had Hernandez, great front row. I think Roncero was playing, uh, Ledesma. You're right. Exactly, yeah. They were good. Albacete in the second row. But France, I remember Sebastian Chabal. So when I think about French teams... I think a bit about Dupont now, but my vision of France is Sebastian Chabal. You played with him at yeah, Sale as well. What what was he like as a character? He was a
3: tremendous athlete, and at his best, uh, he could he carry the ball ferociously. He was great over the ball. He was great in de- uh, defense. But he was a player who did. He wasn't someone who had a like a work rate that went some of the some back rowers. He would do. He was like an anaerobic man. He was a like, burst of this and then power. Burst. Yeah, and then you see him walk a bit, and you have to accept that he'll walk a bit because he's gonna, then going to do a really explosive action after after he's got his breath back basically so he was a, he was a big threat around that time um, to play against and obviously at Sale it was great to have in the same team Culturally at Sale what was he like
2: because Manchester's very different to He drove a little shitty smart car
3: I Not that shitty he I mean, sat in the <laughs> back drove <laughs> in
1: the front right? <laughs> Before his time electric He was before his time that bloke <laughs> <laughs> Who thought a caveman would be before his time on an electric car Because
2: obviously with Philippe Saint-Andre at Sale as well there's a few French players yeah. there Bruno was there as well Yep and like for you, as a loose head prop that you're playing with the French judge themselves on their scrum, don't they?
3: Yeah. So culturally, it, were they great off the field as well? Yeah, they were. They, you know, fitted in well. There was quite, you know, the team was quite successful at yeah. the time at Sale. And, yeah, you fucking beat us um, in the final. I scored. Not <laughs> it's about me, I scored in that final. <laughs> <laughs> Julian White, well, latch me, sorry. Go on. But no, it's uh, yeah. Philippe San Andre was the coach at the time, and he was big into the scrum. I think he was. Um, big mates with a scrum coach. They may have been from brief. Laurent. Oh, Laurent San. That's it. My old yep. boss. He was, mm. was, was thank he you, Laurent.
2: All I'm saying, thank you, Laurent.
3: He was, he was brief. Wasn't yeah, he, he was. Yeah. 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 And uh, so he's big into his scrum. So he's first thing he wanted to do, he signed Bruno, who was renowned scrummager, a hooker, made sure he had a big pack so that he could, you know, take on people physically in the premiership and you didn't have to worry about your set pieces. All those French guys fitted in well at sale and, a big part in the success of the team.
0: If we can go back to Chabot a little bit. Was he as tough? Because he comes across as like the toughest guy of that era. Was that what he was like as a player?
3: He was tough and uh, physical. He had a an amusing laugh. I don't know if you've ever heard him laugh because he's got like a little squeak. Yeah. And he's like this great <laughs> he's like, like sort of... and, he, and you used to see see him like this huge man with, and he have this little squeaky laugh. But no one ever, obviously, took the mick out of it. <laughs> no. but, uh, but he was a fierce competitor. But I don't think he would have thought he was any more aggressive than a lot of the back rowers at the time. And He was just very explosive. Very
1: oh, he, Aesthetically, and again, you're into your training. I know you mentioned it there, but he had like gorilla-like arms, didn't he? Long but very muscular. And then yeah. there's the shot yeah. of him in the well both jerseys where you can just see his six-pack busting through. Oh yeah. For me, he would be like the as in, how do you want to look, Jim?
3: I want to look like cheval please. Like that is You're the He's going to grow hair as well. I can't. Okay. You know I can't. You know that I can't. <laughs> no, he was a, a pretty decent athletic specimen, wasn't he? But uh, he was ideal for the deadlift actually, because I remember seeing him doing some deadlift with those arms. The range of movement wasn't very fast. So it's like
2: <laughs> up he goes.
3: Uh, yeah. But, yeah. Scrapping?
2: He was, a... was it? Was he a scrapper or not? No? no, he
1: wasn't. No, no. I, I grabbed him and yeah and. No. grabbed him the old grab go on, on Jim did you push him I pushed him that was it well hearted <laughs> he was like who are
3: you <laughs> <laughs> who are you and I'm like I'm literally
1: Mr. Shabbat, I am literally a nobody I have pushed you compared to you I am no one Jim was the best pusher in par world is that, is that no man Parmec is that even a thing A Parmec Sebastian no, no man mek. no guy no, no guy, guy. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I am Palmec. <laughs> I am no guy my last vision I'm, I'm, we've seen Shabbat a lot Hong Kong and we saw him in Hong Kong oh he sold his soul yeah he sold his soul and was I would walk 500 miles yeah, he's trying to he's sing there. that oh, in yeah, the was, smallest yeah. little
1: outfit I mean, he looked great though yeah skin he sold all the tickets
2: didn't he? and then he got done so he's uh, he's singing songs yeah, in Hong Kong true let's go back to the semi though, sorry uh, against France obviously win the game even go back to the So you're getting the train up from Marseille to Paris yeah were you ever allowed a few beers? There's a very small percentage of people in the world have been to a World Cup quarter semi-final in any sport. But we're going back to '07 when beers were a massive thing, right? And we're here with Asahi. So would you be having a few scoops after a game or is it so intense that everyone's like, no, we've got next week?
3: I, you know, I actually obviously quite like a drink. But it, on, during that World Cup, I didn't drink during the, the World Cup until the end. Till the really till the final, but I, I would think I, there were other players who might have had a, a few beers along the way. Yeah, I played a lot of the games. So I think I, I think I played every. Well, I did play every game mm. in almost 80 minutes in all. Bar bar the Samoa game, well, I didn't play as long in that game because yeah. I I'd had an insect bite. So I'd been in the hospital the day before the the game throughout the night on a on a drip before the Samoa game. Really? Yeah, because I had this massive uh, sort of um, reaction to an insect bite. Well, throughout the night before the game, they put me on a on a d- IV sort of drip of antibiotics and then just sort of I rocked up in the morning and then what's against uh, Henry Tuolangi yeah, and all this yeah, sort yeah. Of Oh, no. my <laughs> word. Yeah. Uh, that was one game I didn't play. I played about 60 minutes or something. In that I'm game. just trying to think about who's the backup to you at the um, World Cup? Was it uh, Perry Freshwater? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. 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 I, yeah, yeah. Peza, I remember Pez, actually. Yeah. Leicester boy.
2: Yeah. Kiwi. Imagine that. Sherry's in hospital overnight. Any chance I can start? No, no. We'll wait for Sherry. We'll make sure Sherry's all right first. Interesting, interesting. So no beers, and then you get through to the semi, get through that game, yeah, and then the the build up to the final.
3: People was looking around, what's going on here? You know, we've we've gone from thirty six 0 you know, one of the worst England teams in memory, really. I think at the time that's what we were thought of, and suddenly you find yourself in the in the final against South Africa, and, and there was all to play for. You just go go out there and give it our best. Hence why we got you on, beyond expected.
1: Because it was, I remember, and again, going back over it, and you speak to loads of people about it, it was like England came from nowhere. And they've got history in World Cups. 2019, arguably, you could say the same, but that 2007, no one, no one saw England get into the final. And-
3: Or even before the tournament or- I I just think in general, I
1: just think when I think through it, because I've mentioned Australia were, were going really well, All Blacks as well, it was in France like there was a number of reasons why like argentina what they did at the beginning of the tournament so as it kind of built and like i think you've referenced it not that you would have lost against samoa and tonga but they're tough games to get through uninjured especially yeah. and then you look at then the makeup, like playing against australia one of the favorites france in france and when you actually outlay it like that you're like how of england made it to the final
3: for a it's a one-off game a shootout well we I think those games that you just mentioned they sort of we've become a bit battle hardened so sometimes you can I know there's a lot of talk about playing too much rugby but sometimes when you just have game after game after game you haven't got time to get I found from my point of view you haven't got time to get too nervous about what's ahead of you because you're just into that cycle of game after game and that's what happened with the team as a whole we had this sort of I think you had batten, batten down the hatches battle hardened and just get on and do do your own jobs. Wasn't a great deal of a chat about everything. It was just get our training done, do the media, whatever you have to do, and then don't let all the hype that surrounds the World Cup get on top of you. Yeah. Try to keep us you know, keep away from it a little bit. Which was easier like we talked about uh, back then, because you haven't got your phones constantly yeah. beeping at you, telling you telling you that you're useless and
2: well, you weren't useless at that point. Was, like, useless after 36-0. Let's get on to yeah. that bit. Because obviously, you're back in the final against Africa who had dusted your 36-0 in the opening game. Now, was there much chat about that, like retribution, or was it like we're a whole different team
3: at the minute compared to where we were at? I think that was forgotten about. I would Probably, if I can't speak for the South Africans, it was probably more difficult for them to... Yeah. They think, well, smash, we'll smash these guys, 36-0. This should be a... A pretty easy, easy game. And then, so it's probably mentally, it might have been, I wouldn't say tougher for them, but more complicated. But for us, it was just, we're here now. So, you know, let's make a better fist of it than we did in the pool stages. Yeah. Probably.
2: And Johnny Wilkinson, obviously, drops the goal in 3 to win it. It's the next World Cup. There was no chat about Jono retiring, Backy and all these boys. You had a few boys there like Loll and... Yeah, Catty was there as well, wasn't Jason he? Jason Robinson. Jason Robinson. Yeah. So there was a, a bit of a crossover, but talk to you about Johnny Wilkinson, because you're, as we said earlier, you're someone that doesn't like to be front and centre of talking about everything and revving the team up. Other people did that, but Johnny wasn't like that either, was he?
3: He wasn't, but it was something that he developed as his career went on. Certainly at Toulon, he was um, yeah. more vociferous in terms of, you know, in the change room, talking more and more. But he, he was someone who just, as you well know, locked himself away training hours and hours on the just practising his kicking. Probably same as you probably put the work in as yeah. well, didn't you? Yeah, I did. He was kicking. <laughs> I was in the pub, I think. I think that was a they were problem. up to the same time. Yeah. But he was, um, well, it's a lot's been said about him. Single-minded, very focused on everything to do with the game. You know, every minute sort of detail he was uh, on top of.
2: But you're looking around that week, are you drawing on the experiences of those guys from 03? or was it just a completely different team and it wasn't talked about? Because there's loads of yeah. narratives that you can build up in a game, isn't there?
3: Yeah, I think I, I don't think 03 was talked about much, but obviously those guys who had that experience from 03, that obviously helped with the whole dynamic of the group. And then you had younger guys, people like Matthew Tate coming mm, through who did really was well in didn't great they? great form. I think when you're a bit younger, I wasn't that young at the time, I don't know, I was twenty seven or something. But you got the younger guys coming through as well, and they're, they're as you find, more fearless when it yeah. comes to the, some of these big occasions. And so you had that nice blend of the experience from 03 and the sort of youthful guys coming through as well, and and that created a good balance, I think, in the end. Mm.
1: What about running out in the final then into the stadium? The hysteria around that. Tr- try and set the scene: with your family there, with your mates.
3: Like, what was the the build-up for you and personally? They're massive occasions, aren't they? Obviously, you sort of walk, and they, You walk out and. But before you know it, you you get through the anthems. I'm not sort of building this up too well, Jim, am I? No, go on, build it up, just...
2: Well, you're you're not the character that's bothered by that stuff, but, like, Vix was leading us out, I say us. (laughs) I felt like I
3: was there. And he looked emotional, didn't he? Yeah, I used to find him quite motivating when he spoke to the group as a whole. He used to really speak from the heart, and whilst I wasn't a great fan of these sort of Churchillian-type speeches, it felt... Like, he really, really meant it when he was talking. And so he did rev up the sort of the emotions of, of everyone. And so you had those sort of people who could do that. And then you fed off that without necessarily jumping up and down and doing the same sort of stuff. You, but,
1: you think with Vicks, though, he felt he knew the enormity mm. of winning a World Cup. So you think from the crossover of them players in 2003 to have done what they did... Well, no one had been back-to-back, had they? Well, well even back-to-back. But you think from winning a world cup how it affected their lives and the feeling of doing that and you know we've won things before but it's not a world cup so for vix with the emotion that he's got and the feeling of knowing what it actually feels like and what it takes to win a world cup you can imagine the emotion right but that's probably why yeah he was like that and not coming towards well he was Coming towards the end in mm. terms of that the yeah, last couple of years, years. last yeah. couple of years. Yeah, maybe. exactly.
2: Until he did the beast in South Africa. A couple of <laughs> yeah. later. Until he got beasted. <laughs> no, he did the beast in the third test. I don't mm. remember he came off and he was like beast. No, he weren't. No, he got beasted. He got beasted in the first one, I think. But then first
3: he... test, the scrum didn't go particularly well. Yeah, well, I, I wouldn't say he beasted the beast. He in in the did third in test. third test. I, I think didn't he, he, he held his own. The, the third test went better in this <laughs> <sport>. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just
2: remember Vix coming off the field going, "Boo!" We'd lost the series already, but it's fine. World Cup final then. It was a bit of a cagey game, wasn't it? Obviously, they've got Percy Montgomery kicking goals, and you know, there's the Mark Quato incident, Tatey made the break, and it was an edgy game. It was a typical sort of final, wasn't yeah. it? it wasn't, yeah. I mean, you're not a guy that goes high highs on emotions and low lows, probably, but did you get nervous? Were you? Did you feel the edge around everything, or were you just? Where's the next scrum?
3: A little bit of where's the next scrum? Yeah. But you just think, you do think about what's your next job. But yeah. it was a cagey sort of game. It wasn't. I imagine it wasn't a particularly good spectacle to watch. I haven't watched it all the way it through. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was nah. probably pretty dull. But you, sometimes you get great finals. But quite often these sort of games in all sports tend to because everyone knows what's at, at stake. So I remember key moments, and then I've, obviously I've seen them again in a game with like Mark Cueto's, um Try disallow. I remember moments against back. is both from players like that. It was raging as as usual. Both of us. and uh, it was just. I remember the just the physicality of it. It was quite a physical game. They always are as you yeah. played against South Africa. That you've always got to have the eyes in the back of your head because there's some like coming huge, from all different directions. Yeah, huge uni- <laughs> unit just sort of taking off and smashing you in the ribs. Or yeah, it was a, a physical, tough game. I felt like they had. The edge. If I'm honest, at the time, so it wasn't a surprise that they they got the win in the end, even allowing for the uh, disallowed try. Yeah, that,
1: that's really interesting. Again, because I think because you aren't that emotional, you you take the emotion out and it just becomes real. Like when you play against South Africa, like you're exactly right. Like in terms of what you're saying, there is regardless of if it's a slower or a faster game. And again, when we look forward to this World Cup and the history that they've got. But it is that physicality, isn't it? It's that kind of gnarliness. It's that it doesn't need to be quick, but they're just so stuffy. Like the kicking game, like they're big game players, you know? And I think you just mentioned it there, like Bacchus Bothers, like your Victor Matfield. Like who was in the back row? you Smith. Ewan Smith? Ewan Smith. Yeah, Yohan yeah, Smith, who was yeah. brilliant that day as well. It was Danny Rousseau. Schulte Berger. Burger, Berger, Berger, of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like actually when you look at their names... And you went on to play with some of them, didn't you, in, With Bacchus. in, in Toulon, hard, hard. How hard's is? I think he's all blow. No. I reckon. <laughs> I don't tell him that he's uh, he'll have me now. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> it would win yeah. between Bacchus and Shabal in a fight. Not Bacchus, yeah. really.
3: I would say Bacchus um he was because he was so he was so physical. You've played against him, yeah. He a dog. And, and he's w- dominated Jim. Mm, oh he has. I've what been. I would say with him is that even when he the, the few occasions he does come off second best in a collision, he's not the sort of guy. Then, you know, shrinks in back. He will just go again yeah. and again and again, and he's he's relentless. And he just he just seems to thoroughly enjoy trying to hurt people. <laughs> really, is, um, that was his thing. Mantra, if, you know, just physically dominate people, and that's why he was such an effective player and very effective at Toulon as well.
1: Good so, bloke off the pitch.
3: Yeah, I spent quite a lot of time with him, just only coffees and things like that, but uh yeah, good guy.
0: While we're talking about guys off the pitch, we're going to talk about the Campi 15. So I want you three best blokes for having a beer with, they might have been opposition, they might have been teammates, but best guys to hang out with and have a beer with off the pitch.
3: Probably um well, I didn't actually spend time with, them, but Scott Quinell would be one. Do you remember Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, When I first turned professional, I was at Richmond, and and he was at Richmond before he went back to the Scarlets. Growing up, I was playing number eights, we've talked about before, and he was one of the first number eights you saw in rugby union in the mid-90s. He was really explosive, and, and so I sort of admired him as a player, and then, as I say, didn't get an opportunity to play alongside him, but... He's a guy who just seems to always have a huge amount of energy. So I think it would be good for a beer because I'd be sitting there moaning about the world. And you'd, he's the sort of bloke who could just energise everything. So,
1: hey, Well, if he couldn't get you up for a game as well, no one could. I would literally run, run through all for, a wall for that bloke. Yeah. When he talks, like some of the speeches, he has some of the greatest speeches ever. Sherry, if you're not crying. When Scott Quinnell does his speech, then no, I'm telling you now, I think Scott Quinnell does not cry. I'll tell you now, (laughs) I reckon Scott Quinnell could make him cry.
2: I reckon
3: you get just a nod from Sherry Nose. That's all you need. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in. I'm zoned in. The second one, second player, Barry Stuart. Do you you remember Barry Stewart? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Played alongside him at uh, sales and he was just a good mate of mine, really. And a hard working, good guy. We used to go off and do um, a bricklaying course, the two of us. Nice. At (laughs) Salford College. We used to do six hours a week of bricklaying. Wow, put um, that to good use. Not really. No, I built, I built a barbecue and a couple of barbecues. And but he actually was uh, got his um, advanced Construction Award. I only got yeah. my Intermediate, but he passed with a distinction. So he was, a, he was just an interesting, all-round guy. Good, solid prop as well. Yeah,
1: like one of them guys. I imagine that probably did, like you and him are just talking, but not talking about much. Just you know, letting the day go. Talking about scrums. Just, yeah, just the odd chat about scrum and just the odd nod. Yeah. So not just a, there's no waffle with him, is there? It's just no. No, no bollocks. It's just straight. No,
3: but he uh, he's had a nice demeanour about him. But yeah, no, we were probably quite similar in terms of uh, personalities in that in that respect. Right, you got to go number three. I okay. Number three, I a sense in looseness or not? No, I don't think you uh, want
1: looseness. I don't think you I'd want I'd probably that. go
3: for someone like um, I got to know him a little bit. Uh, Danny Rousseau Rousseau mm. at Toulon. I just liked him. He was just he was a tremendous player in his own right. But he obviously liked to he liked a beer or a whole case of them, I think. And he was uh, massively into his hunting, so he'd be a good sort of bloke. You'd he go off and do the hunting, bring the meat back, and then we'd have a few beers. And he was he, just a good, good all-round guy, and he liked country music as well. So you're happy with yeah, that? Yeah. Oh, I need uh, more well, Andrew Sheridan in my what life. You, well, I'm upset.
2: Oh, I'm well, upset. There's no well, backs. Yeah, of course why not. Is, you what, you talk, why never really back. talk too much.
1: <laughs> I would have been a back. I, like, I talked too much waffle. Like as in, I would kill. Sherry, if we were out on a hunting trip or something, you'd be like, mate, can you just shut up? Like, as in, you just shut up? Like, I just <laughs> He'd want to kill sing. you. He'd I know he <laughs> would, yeah, he would. You
2: said I would kill
1: Sherry. Yeah, as in with my banter oh, okay. and, and my too much chat. Country music.
3: I like country music. Yeah? Yeah, big fan. Nice, it's got... It's normally tells fun. a nice story. Nice. Yeah, exactly that. Need more of that. Need more of that sort of music. Are, are you
1: into Stormzy and all that? Are you... No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> does, does that come as a big I, surprise? That's the backs. I'm
3: sure he's not bothered that he's got me as a fan. I oh, think he's no. doing all right. He knows, like, he knew, at least he knew him. He kind of, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah.
0: yeah I recognise that. Shall we have a look at this year's tournament and England's chances? Yeah. Just get a kind of, what your thoughts are on, on where they are at the moment and their chances in the tournament?
2: Well, Borthas was your old second row partner, wasn't he? Yes. As we go back to the yeah. days. And you mentioned earlier about line outs. You didn't really like all the detail and the...
0: Well, like you've got it, the yeah. ultimate
2: noise of lineouts and coaching now, yeah. and you were the opposite—just tell me what to do and I'll fucking do it kind of thing. Yeah. He was your partner for a, a long time, wasn't he?
3: Yeah, I'm. I'm not surprised he's gone on, on to into the coaching setup, and, and he seems to be doing f- very well. And because he was so meticulous with everything he did, he was like, f- detail detail yeah. as a player. So he's just clearly taken that into the whole coaching setup. Yeah, and it's great to see the other people from our sort of generation, people like Richard Wigglesworth yeah. and Alex Sarnison at Sale. So it's, it's good to see these younger coaches coming through and doing well. But as far as England is concerned at the moment, they probably just need to get a bit more consistency. They're at the moment, as you know, it's France and Ireland are sort of up there, aren't they? And, but as we've talked about with 2007, with these guys now, they just need to get a bit of momentum and get through your group and then you're couple of good performances away from a final so i know after the warm-up game everyone's against wales everyone's so slating them for the second half performance but they are warm-up games providing they get a bit of momentum in them how many more have they got They've Got That's wales right. this week and then, yeah. wales island fiji as long as they can get some momentum get their the players they want playing the partnerships there then they they could be in a good position come the first game if they got argentina yeah. first game yeah they would be in a good position to uh on their side of the draw as well,
1: and when you look at the makeup of the front row, Alice Genge,
3: yeah, yeah, I like seeing all the uh, young players come through, like, you like know, Genge and Sinkler and people like this. Uh, as I said earlier, they, it's a slightly different. They've, they seem to the the roles evolved a little bit, and they have to. They seem to be using these them as almost go as far to say playmakers, but they do seem oh, to. Yeah. They do have to be in that in that pod, and they've got to make those decisions whether to pop it on to the next guy or or just hit it up or decoys and so it's it's an interesting way the props have evolved it's i always thought it might take a bit of from rugby league as in the props from rugby league and and there seems to be a little bit for rugby league influence more and more in terms of some of the sort of way people you're having to build tries and build opportunities in rugby union
2: and now there's a guy obviously that plays the same position as you did but has a very different character to you, Sherry, and I'm, I'm sure you know what I'm going to say now. You're quite a, uh, you know, just get on with the work kind of thing, work hard, salt the earth bloke. You've got Joe Marler, who is, look at me, I've got my tracksuit on, I've got my hair done, I'm trying to be a bit of a joker and a bit funny, but what a hell of a player as well. Yeah. Who are you picking at loose head for England to start, if you would Steve Orthopick?
3: Marler or Genge, and what do you think of Joe Marler?
1: If it was a final, let's just base it at that. Yeah. I,
3: think, uh, I think Genge... Because he just brings a bit more you know, explosiveness, but you know Marler's a—he's had a fantastic career as well. He's still yeah. going strong, so I think there'll be decisions that both of it will take depending on the opposition, who they consider to be the stronger scrummager. They've got to take in there's so many variables, different factors you've got to take into account before making those sort of selections. Um, but I'd probably say Genji. There you go. Well, how about you, uh, Genji?
2: Oh, I don't know. Actually, I might start Marler yeah. for scrums early on. Depends who it's against. And then you uh, can bring the raging Genji. Is he generally
3: seen as the stronger scrummager. I don't very, know. You tell yeah.
2: me. I've got no I, idea. Yeah,
3: I, I, I
1: think I'll Marla know. is the stronger scrummager. I, I think if you're looking at it solely on a final and it's a big shout, because I love Genji. Yeah. I think you, you'd look at Marla, because you, I think statistically, and again I don't know this, I'm kind of making it up, but from a scrummaging point of view, and let's have a think who it could be. So if you were playing a New Zealand, for example, who people think I haven't got a good scrum, they've got a good scrum yeah. or a South Africa who have a great scrum or a France or an island. I think you'd go with Mahler and put Genji on the bench because you know what you're getting then off the bench. At Mal Malherb. Malherb.
3: He looks like oh, a heavy, smoke. heavy like monet.
2: Do you still think about scrums like this? And like
3: Not as much, now. no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm think more about wine and drinking <laughs> <laughs> and
2: weightlifting.
1: Yeah. yeah. I'm trying not to get injured. And what are you doing now? What does life look like for Andrew Sheridan
3: it's in the south pretty, of France? Pretty relaxed to be honest. I'm not grafting like you boys. He's done uh, too yep. well in his career, doesn't he? <laughs> No, so just I, I did all my wine exams, and uh, when I finished playing, and I so saw I do the occasional wine-related event. But see, yeah, I'm, I lead a quite a relaxed, sedate lifestyle. Not, happy, not, yeah, for, yeah, very happy. Mm, you yeah. say it
1: like it, it sounds. You know, there's actually I'm jealous of how chilled and kind of present you are. It's it's really cool.
3: Well, I like to get back to uh, Wales as well, Mid Wales. Bit bit of time in London as well. So I was in Mid Wales because. Royal Welsh Show, it's cool. So we were there for that. Yeah, so. I like those, actually. I'll take the kids yeah. to a few of those. They ain't me. Yeah. So, great, isn't it, though? Yeah, the are big, big shows around there. So, yeah, it's been been good. So, no, life, I can't complain. And that transition from playing, retiring,
2: you yeah. obviously living, I, yeah. I hope you don't mind me saying, you're living in the south of France. Everyone knows that. Yeah. An Englishman living in the south of France, great pace of life. You found that, because some people have found it quite hard transitionally, haven't they, to ha- have an identity and now, obviously, we're we doing podcasting. I, you know, I work in the city as well. But everyone tries to find another identity afterwards after they play. But you're
3: all just Andrew Sheridan, living the life. And, I mean,
2: what yeah. a life, eh?
3: Mm. Yeah, well, I, I don't. I haven't had that. Well, up to now, I haven't had any problems with that sort of move away from rugby. Yeah, I had my time, did my best. Don't have any regrets. Yeah, I like to see other people doing well. So I like to look see other players coming through and the English players doing well, as I talked about. Coaches from, particularly from our generation, like it's, I always like to see them doing well. So yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. All, you know. Any
2: coaching aspirations or any like, do you want to get um, back into the game at all? Or I, w-
3: but I you, wouldn't be the a, knowledge of scrums. You'd be unbelievable. Yeah, something that, uh, scrum or strength related, or, but I wouldn't want to be spending hours and hours over looking at lineouts. Yeah, or, <laughs> or any you know the, the amount of analysis I think goes into the. Yeah, they put a, a huge number of hours in, don't they? I think these the coaches. Yeah. But I've I've done the odd scrummaging session with local clubs in France and well, life see. sounds good, eh? Yeah,
1: and how is it in France? The hysteria building for the World Cup—is there talk of like the success that they need or want, or pressures? What's it? Well, there?
3: Dupont is everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which he's is got, great. Yeah, he's, so they. I mean, uh, how much?
2: How many euros he he on the bank account right now.
3: <laughs> well, Rightly so. <laughs> rightly yeah. so. Yeah, he's a tremendous player. Oh, yeah, it? he Ridiculous. really is, mate. But is
1: there like? Are you sensing the pressure on the French team there?
3: I think it will start building now. I've been, been away for three weeks, but I would imagine it's really ramping up mm. now. As uh, a few of the matches are not too far from me in Marseille and Nice. You get into uh, a few. We'll, I'll, I'll see. Might do. Yeah, so it's, <laughs> a, yes. it's quite comfortable sitting in, the, watching it in yeah. the air conditioning yeah.
2: in the yeah. chateau. You got an England flag to drape outside the chateau? I uh, chateau chateau not Got a
3: chateau. <laughs> I, I know. I wouldn't go that. I wouldn't Will do that. No, I don't want to upset. The, I uh, would. Yeah, I know you would, but... Are you taught in England? Of course, yeah. I don't know
1: what I just thought I'd ask. You're in France now. You, yeah, I
3: have a lot, of, a lot of things to do with France and in the area we live in, but no, you don't lose your... I've got French residency, but I haven't got French nationality. And what about the kids? Well, oh. I've got a daughter, yeah. She's, she's not interested in rugby for a start. But, but if, if it came
1: to an England-France final?
3: France. Really? Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. What? Yes. Sherry! Yeah, well, she's been there since she was two years old. She's not going to.
2: I, don't, I know. You've got a, a Welsh wife, Cherry's one of the ultimate England rugby players, and then your daughter's. A stretch in it, wow, no, In my opinion.
3: <laughs> in my opinion. well, wow. French. Okay. Yeah, well, she, well if you've grown up, the whole. I know, yeah. You know, she's I, I get it. 13 now, so. It's... I just wouldn't let my kid do it. It
0: depends. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fair play. Yeah, that's class. All right, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on the show, mate. Really appreciate it. And enjoy the World Cup. Thanks very much indeed. Thanks for having me. Good class. Cheers, mm-hmm. mate.
3: Top, top lad. lad. He is top
0: lad. He
2: Cheers. Is. Cheers to that. he. Great boy, Sherry. He used to give me nightmares playing against him.